Welcome to the CF Podcast. This is Derek. Man, we're glad you joined us here today. And we're continuing this series anticipating as we uh, move towards Christmas. And today we're going to look at peace. We're going to look at peace as not so much the absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness, the presence of being complete. And we're going to look at how Jesus actually ushers in this threefold peace between the Father and man, between humanity and themselves, and from man to man, humanity to humanity. So grab your Bible, grab some notes. Let's dig in today. Let's just take a moment and thank the Lord for his worthiness. We thank you, Lord, as we sing this song today, that you are worthy, that those words even fall short of how worthy you are. Just that picture that we have in Revelation, Lord, about the heavenly beings throwing their crowns down and bowing down before you as a response to how glorious and how beautiful you are, Lord. And on this side of that experience, we say, as best we know, you are worthy. We honor you. We give you glory. And Lord, deep in our revelation of Jesus, even today, and we see his beauty and his magnificence and majesty. And as we open up the scriptures, Lord, would you lead us into truth, Holy Spirit? Lead us into truth that sets us free, that sets us on truth and will impact us, not just information, but revelation that transforms. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Beautiful Sunday so far. Love when we get to come around families and uh, baby dedication. Uh, man, it's weird. Isn't it weird that Christmas is next week? Anybody else mow their lawn this week besides me? Like in a t-shirt, I was mowing my lawn. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Uh, but Christmas, man, it's, it's right here. And we've been in a season uh, or a series, a Christmas series that's entitled Anticipating. And the series is really um, was birthed out of the song that uh, Jamie and Tony wrote uh, called Anticipating that we just uh, reproduced and recorded in-house. You can, once again, listen to it online, any, any streaming platform, just type in, I think it's, is it CF, I don't even know, I should know this, as, what was it, does, does anybody know? CF Collective, that's what it is, CF Collective, and uh, you can type in Anticipating, you can hear the song, beautiful song, how Jesus comes very differently than what we expect but it's always better, right? And so this series, we've been looking at some things like Emmanuel, God with us. What does that mean? What's it mean to anticipate that God will be with me? Or or last week, we talked about hope. What's it look like to anticipate that even the face of impossibilities, that there is a way forward, that there is hope even in the darkness? That's what we talked about last week. And today, we're going to continue as we move towards celebrating the birth of Jesus today. We want to talk about peace, peace. And to to get us started here, I want to start in Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Isaiah chapter 9, where they're going to move to Luke chapter 2. But I want to start us in in where we started last week, in this prophetic word that Isaiah writes about a, a Messiah, about the one who is to come that's in the future. And Isaiah didn't fully know what this was about, exactly how it would look, but he was inspired by the Spirit. And he was writing down some things. And now that we've seen the birth of Jesus, we've recognized the birth, we can now look back at Isaiah and say, wow, that's what he was talking about. 
So this is chapter nine, starting in verse six. It says, for to us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There it is right there, our topic today, peace. He's going to be known as the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, his authority, his rule and reign, his kingdom. There will be peace, and there will be no end. On the throne of David and on, on over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. And so we see here that this future one who was to come, this future Messiah, this future Savior, one of the ways that he's known as is the Prince of Peace. And when he comes to establish his rule and reign, his authority on the earth, there will be this peace that has no end. Does that sound good to anybody else? Like that sounds really good to me. And so Isaiah is pointing to the one that would bring this about. And then if we fast forward uh, hundreds of years and we get to the birth of Jesus, we know that he's born to Mary and Joseph and, and the angels, they go out and they send a special invitation to a group of people that once again, just like the song, is an unexpected group of people that get the first invitation to meet Jesus. The angels meet the shepherds that are on night watch. They're out there in the field doing their thing, Nobody's really thinking about the shepherds. They're just doing what's necessary. And then all of a sudden, these angels show up, and the shepherds get this revelation from God. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 11. It says, this is what they say. For unto you, this is the angels speaking to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, listen to what they said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, there it is, peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds saw one another they said, let us go over to Bethlehem. Uh, pretty obvious, right? The angel says, go to Bethlehem. You'll see this. You're like, okay, maybe I should go to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem to see these things that have happened with the Lord, with, in which the Lord has told us and made known to us. And so the shepherds out there, they get word, hey, this baby is born. This is the savior of the world. And, and I, I'm telling you, I want you to go see him, but here's what you need to know about him, that there is glory to God in the highest and on earth, on earth, say on earth, on earth, not just in heaven, but on earth, there should be what? Peace. Peace. And so the angels are, 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 are pulling this thread from Isaiah where Isaiah said there's going to be this prince of peace and, and in his kingdom, in his authority, there will be so much peace that it has no end. And now the angels are here declaring there's one who's here. It's Christ the baby in, and there's now going to be peace on the earth. So the two words that we see in the Hebrew and the Greek are, are a word that many of us have probably heard, shalom. How many of you ever heard shalom? Shalom, shalom. That means it's a welcoming, uh, it means peace with you, uh, may your well-being. Um, it's like a blessing, really, shalom. When I say it, it's, a, it's a welcome and a goodbye, it's shalom. It's used even today in Israel. And, and then the word in the Greek is erene, erene. And when we think about this word peace, typically we think about peace as the absence of conflict, 
which, which that is a piece of peace. You see what I just did there? That's a part of peace, right? But, but the peace in the scriptures and the peace of the Prince of Peace is much bigger than just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of something else. And so peace, what we see in these two words as we look about at it and, and, we, and we take it apart is that peace is really the presence of being complete. It's, it's not being afraid of fear. It's freedom from fear. It means it's the presence of, of wholeness, that, that it's the act of making something whole. This is what peace is. Way bigger than my kids aren't fighting. Thank you, Jesus, for that. It's actually they're playing together. That's peace. It's like I have this beautiful uh, vase or vase. If I have this beautiful vase and, um, and it breaks and some skilled person comes in and picks up the pieces and puts it back together in a way that no one could ever know it was broken, that, that vase, that vase went from broken to now it's at shalom. It's at peace. It's complete. It's restored back to the way it was original. And that's the peace that the Prince of Peace wants to come in and give us. And, and the first time we see this, this peace in the pages of the scripture is the very first couple pages. It's, it's the Garden of Eden. It is our first literal picture of, of what is shalom, what is, what is peace, what is completeness, what does wholeness look like on the earth? And we read about Adam and Eve, and in the garden we see a beautiful, beautiful picture of, of what peace looks like. Peace with God. Man, they were one with God. They were walking. Can you imagine walking in the morning with God? They were, they were secure in who they were. They were naked and they were unashamed. And not only that, man, between Adam and Eve, man, there was no conflict. Like there, there was just this community. There was this oneness. There was this wholeness that, that they were together and they were helping actually one another and, and actually making humanity better because both of them had a uniqueness about them. When they put together, there was this completeness. There was this peace. And so the Garden of Eden is really our first picture of what God's desire is on the earth, peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness. Sounds good. It's a picture-perfect beginning, and then we know, uh, not very far into humanity's existence, that there was a moment where humanity broke that peace. And I think it's helpful because I think if we took a survey today, I think most of us would like to walk in peace, walk, walk in a greater level of peace. But here's what I believe. For us to walk in a greater level of peace, we first need to recognize where we walked away from peace. And that's on the macro story. I think that's what we're going to look at to begin today, like on the, on the big picture of humanity. How did humanity reject God's peace, his shalom? How did we reject that? But, but even today, as, as you sit here today, and as we open up the scriptures together, as we feast on the word of God, as we ask the spirit to move in our hearts to reveal Jesus, like in our lives, we should say, man, I don't have peace in this situation. Where did I walk away from it? When did I first realize that I wasn't at peace in my relationship with God and my relationship with others in a situation, we should be aware. We've got to recognize, man, where do we first walk away from peace if we're going to, have to learn how to walk in it again? Now, now, in the beginning there, it was peace. It was perfect connection. It was, it was togetherness. It was beautiful in the garden. And then Adam and Eve, though, they, they walked through this process where they, where they began to reject, reject and reject God's peace. And God's design began to, began to break apart a little bit. 
And so Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. It's great. Eve goes over and is getting a little work done. I don't know what she's doing, but she's getting some work done. And, and we know the story. You know, the, uh, the snake, the, the enemy comes in and begins to speak to her. And he said, did God really say if you eat of that thing, you'll die? Surely you won't. And he began to plant a seed in Eve's mind, a thought that maybe God isn't as good as you think he is. Maybe, just maybe, Eve, that God, he's lying to you and he's holding back good from you because he knows if you eat that, you'll become like him. And so the lie of the enemy in this moment is, is God's not good. He's holding good from you. Have you ever experienced that? I have before. Maybe God's good, but is he really good to me? I think that's a fair thing that many humans think about. And so in this moment was the first time uh, for humanity that this moment came to, well, wow, maybe not, God's not good. And so what, what entered into the world was a wrong view of God. And that wrong view of God quickly led to the next phase, which is a wrong view of self, because the enemy continued on, not just challenging what she thought of God. And then she said, well, you know what? If you eat this, then, then you'll be like God, Eve. And what was he putting in there? You're not enough the way you are right now, Eve. And once again, I'm sure none of you have ever felt, ever felt like that. I'm not enough. I'm a failure. But Eve, for the first time, remember, she was in shalom. I'm enough, naked and unashamed. I'm good. I'm good with God. I'm, like, I'm full. I'm, I'm whole. And now in this moment, she has this thought, maybe I need something else. Maybe I'm not enough. And so the only thing I can do when I'm not enough, and if I have a wrong view of God, is do it on my own. I'm going to take control of the situation. So, so what's she do? She takes the fruit and she eats it. And her, her endeavor is that I'm going to make myself whole. How many human beings walk around doing that all day long? It's up to me to be whole. So I'm going to take the thing. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to try to make myself whole. And this is breaking down of shalom, breaking down of peace, wrong view of God, wrong view of self, which leads always to a wrong view of others. This is actually what's happening on the earth today. All of it. Every war is based in these three things. And not just the macro wars like in Ukraine and Russia or in Israel right now, but the wars that rage in our own hearts. This is the root of them. So what happens? They believe this lie. Man, maybe God's not good and maybe he's not good to me. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm not enough. So I got to do something else. And so then it gets the God comes in and says, God, guys, where are you? And they're hiding, you know, and, and God's like, come here. Who told you you were naked? Who did this? Who told you? And what happened? And, and Adam's like, the woman you gave me. Isn't that a great blame game? <laughs> Not only is it my wife's fault, but it's the wife you gave me. She's the problem. Somebody don't say amen to that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but it's blame. I don't want to be the one that gets in trouble for this. So I'm going to blame the next person. Eve's there. She's like, can you imagine the look she gave Adam in that moment? Like, bro. And then what does Eve do? I'm not going to take the blame. It was Satan. It was the enemy. It was the snake. Maybe you ever heard somebody say that, that Satan made me do it. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. He enticed you. You did it. And so it's blame. What is it? It's competition. There's obviously a not enough to go around. So I don't want to be the low man on the total. So I'm going to try, my, try to make myself better. This is exactly what's happened in the garden. It's the breaking down of shalom. It's the breaking down of peace. 
And the story, if you want to go in, I'm not going to go into it, but right after that, Adam and Eve, they have two sons, Cain and Abel, and the very exact same thing happens with them. Cain has a wrong view of God, which leads to a wrong view of himself. I'm not enough. What I offered God's not enough. So guess what? I'm going to take it in my own hands. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take care of it by killing my brother. How many of you know that's many countries in the world right? they do right now? I'm not getting what I need. I'm going to kill somebody else to get what I need. Ha. These are micro stories of the macro humanity. What's going on? The massive meta narrative going on. And so we see Jesus, he comes on the scene. He's the prince of peace. Peace has been broken. I think we all would say that. Can we all just say there's broken pieces all over the earth right now? In our own lives, in our country, on our streets, in our, in our church, there's brokenness. And yet the prince of peace comes in and he offers that under his rule, under his authority, there will be peace that has no end. And so we see Jesus that he sent to us to restore our brokenness and thus to establish peace on the earth. Why did Jesus come? Why was he born? To establish peace, to restore shalom in every area of the earth with his kingdom with his rule and reign. This is what he desires. To bring about wholeness, to bring about completeness. And so just as peace is broken down, and I think all of our lives, maybe you just take a moment and think about that. Like, where are you not experiencing peace right now? And, and if you're honest today, where is the root of that? Is it in a wrong view of God that you think maybe he's not good or maybe he's not good to you, that he can't protect you, that he won't provide for you? Or is it a wrong view of yourself? Man, I'm just a failure. I'm just gonna live into that being a failure. I, man, I've messed up so many times. This is who I am. Or, or maybe you've just given up and said, man, this conflict with my spouse or this conflict with my child or this conflict at work, like it is what it is and that's just how it's gonna be. Maybe the Prince of Peace has something to say about that today. And so as we see this breaking down, as we see this brokenness happen, what we see Jesus, he comes and he takes that progression of, of wrong view of God, wrong view of self, wrong view of others, and he begins to build back to us so that we can experience the shalom of Eden, so that we can have that wholeness. This is what he desires for us. And so he does this through a progression. Number one thing he does, he offers us peace between God and man. This is like the chief thing. This is the clear thing. And I think everybody in the church world would say, of course, Jesus came to do this. When the angel came to Joseph and said, hey, your, your fiance is pregnant. And I know that's not from you, but just hang out there. Imagine that, that conversation, by the way. It's kind of interesting. But the reason why he said, like he, he iterated, like reiterated, this is actually what, what's happening. He said, she, your fiance, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their what? From their what? We don't like to say that word, do we? He will save them from their what? Sin, right? And, and you're like, if you're new here, if like you're a guest here, maybe you're visiting, like, you're like, of course they talk about sin in a church. Like, that's, like every church we ever go to, we talk about sin. And, and sometimes we get weird about that. But, but sin at its core is really simple. And I know we say this so many times, but we have to be reminded. Sin at its core, what is sin? It's not like I, I did this thing or I looked at this thing. No, no, that's, an, that's the fruit of sin. Sin at its core is a separation. Sin is when I separate from the truth of God and the ways of God. Whenever I do that, guess what? I've sinned and that expresses itself in fruit in lots of really crazy ways, right? And so it says he came to save us from our separateness. 
all the ways that we've been fragmented, all the ways that we've broken apart internally with God, with others. He said, I've come to, to bring that back together. I'm the Prince of Peace that wants to restore the broken pieces and to bring shalom, to bring peace. And I love how the author of Romans, Paul, how he writes this in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Is anybody else grateful for that today? Right? So how does he rebuild? How does he restore us back to wholeness and completeness? He starts with the Genesis, the beginning, where we say, man, I've got a wrong view of God. What does Jesus do? He comes on the scene to reveal who God is. This is one of the primary reasons why Jesus came as a human being, to give us a right view of God that enables us to be restored to God. Jesus is like, man, you, you thought you knew what God looks like. Man, you had some expectations, but listen, I'm here to tell you, I'm if you look at me, you see the Father. And I want to write all the wrong ways that you think about God, and I'm going to show you what it's like, who he's like, what he thinks. And this phrase came to mind as I was preparing and praying for today. It's, it's this, as humanity killed Jesus, Jesus was killing every false belief about God's love. Let's say that again. As humanity, like you and I, like as we were killing Jesus, as our, as our brothers and sisters, humanity, as, as they were killing Jesus, what we thought was the end, what we thought was like, oh, that's a terrible ending. Through that death, Jesus was actually killing all the excuses, all the reasons why we try to tell God that he can't love us. God, man, if you only knew what I did last night, oh, how can you love me? If you knew how I spoke to that person, man, God, you, how can you love me? God, if you knew how many bad decisions over decades I've made, man, you would never love me. And Jesus is like, listen, you killed me so that I could show you what God's like. I will receive all of your brokenness, all of it, and I will offer you my peace. And that's why the story of Jesus is so beautiful. The, the coming of Jesus, he comes to the unexpected. He comes to the, the people that you'd never guess a king would come to. And he's still doing that today. And so I'm telling you today, if today you're like, man, I don't have peace with God, I'm gonna be very honest with you. It's not because God hasn't offered you his peace. If you're like, man, I don't, I don't know where I'm at with God. It's not because God is like, oh, I don't know if I can be his friend. No, 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 no. He offered himself so that we could have peace with God. It's on us to actually believe him for who he is to receive that grace and that mercy. And so today, listen, you can have peace with God through Christ Jesus. Anybody else believe that? Say amen, right? And so he sets the tone. He's like, listen, I'm gonna restore the relationship so that you can see God rightly. And when you see God rightly, man, everything's possible. And so he says, here is what God looks like. It looks like Jesus. He looks like Jesus. But it didn't stop there. He says, this is what I also want. I want you to have a restored view. I want you to have peace with yourself internally, who you are. And for those of us that have, man, we've acknowledged, man, God, you are amazing. You're beautiful. You're, you're gracious. You're, you're loving. That's incredible. But the next step is like when I, when I believe God is who he is, then it's like I got to learn how to believe who I am. And, and I don't know, once again, your, your church background. I know my church background. A lot of times we're in churches and we're here like you're trash. Like you're so lucky God like scrapes you off the bottom of the barrel. Like you're terrible. And, and and I just don't think that's what God does because Jesus, when he shows up, this is what he does. He says, I love you so much. I have so much worth. I'm going to lay my life down for you. 
Man, don't call what's made in my image. Don't call that trash because I see you and I value and I'm gonna lay my life down and show you my love. And what we read about in Ephesians chapter two is this. He says, you or we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is like a masterpiece. It's, uh, some translations say it's like a poem. When's the last time you thought of yourself as a masterpiece of God? And some of us are like, man, I, I, that's, that feels wrong. No, no, no. It can't get more right to see yourself as God does. Most of the lack of peace in our world is because people are trying to earn what's already been given to them freely. They're trying to earn love. They're trying to earn authority. They're trying to earn uh, value. And, and when we do that outside of God, man, it gets really ugly. It gets really weird. And so Jesus is coming. Not only did he speak and show us the Father, but he also said this is how humanity needs to see themselves. with the truth of who I am. And when we have that, then the third piece, which is critical, is possible. And, and that's that Jesus wants us to offer that peace to the world. Ephesians 2, 14, I'm not going to read it at all today for, for time's sake, but it's one of my favorite passages when it comes to how God gives peace or offers peace between two people that, that are in conflict. I'll read just a few verses here. First, verse 14, it says, For he himself, Jesus, he is our what? Our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down the f in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And so here, and I know it's a little complicated. I wish I could have time to unpack this, but, but he's speaking to two people, the Jews and the Gentiles. And there was obviously this dividing wall where the Jews didn't think the Gentiles could get into the kingdom. They didn't think that they could receive salvation, but, but that was never God's plan. And so Jesus comes on and he kills that, that false belief and he takes that wall and he knocks it down. And so he says, now the Jew and the Gentile are now brought together. How many of you know this is what God wants on the earth? He doesn't want a bunch of little factions, a bunch of different teams, denominations, all these things. He wants us to be what? One. One man, one group. This is what he desires. And he says, this is what I have. I've given you a model. You see, Jesus came not only to restore us back to the Father, not only to give us truth about who we are, but he gave us a model of what peace looks like on the earth. And not only did he give us a model, he then says, now you go and you do likewise. Follow me. Walk in my way. And I want to close with, with this last piece that I think helps drive this home. Um, this, this year, Gina had brought this, uh, bought the staff uh, an Advent devotional that we've been going through each day. And I've really enjoyed it. And, and one of the days uh, last week, the author was, was speaking about a, a passage in Isaiah that most of us don't think about as Christmas time, but he really tied it in beautifully to peace. And it's the passage where it talks about um, out of the root of Jesse, like there'll be this one that comes and he's speaking about Jesus. And then in verse six, it says, the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. I wonder who that little child was. That's interesting, right? 
The cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Now you've probably heard this before. The wolf and the sheep, the lion and the cow, they'll be together. Now, just to be clear, when you're reading the Bible, there are sometimes it's very, very literal. Like love your enemy. That's very literal. Amen to that. But there's also sections of the scripture that are very, very figurative. I don't believe in this section that, that we were getting a, a lesson in how animals will behave. I don't think like, like the takeaway is, wow, there'll be a day when a wolf and a sheep lie down together. That would be amazing. I don't think that, that's like the, the end game. I think what he's doing here, he's using figurative, beautiful language to tell us a deeper truth. This is what the Bible does all the time, by the way. And so here he's saying there's going to be a predator that no longer is devouring the prey. That predator and the prey, one day they're actually going to be united together and they're going to have shalom together. And once again, he wasn't talking about the animal kingdom as much as he was giving a picture of what humanity will look like one day. He was saying, there's predators among us. Man, there's people that take advantage of the lost. There's people that take advantage of the poor, the widow, the orphan. There's people that take advantage of people with, 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 um, that are, have money will take advantage of those that don't. And said, so there's these predators and there's these prey. And what he's given us a picture of is one day they'll be united. And the author of the Advent um, devotional, it led into the story of Zacchaeus. And I thought it was brilliant. I'm like, man, I got to share that. You know, many of us know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a, just to see what he could see, right? And so he was interested in Jesus. He was very interested. He, he was looking for Jesus. He wanted to see him. And, and what we know and what's so profound is that whenever we look for Jesus, Jesus is already looking for us. Isn't that such a good word for all of us? Listen, if you're looking for truth today, the one who is truth is already seeing you. And so he says he's looking for Jesus. And then Jesus comes up. Hey, Zacchaeus, <laughs> I'm right here. Hey, come on down here, man. Zacchaeus, wee little man. I don't know what that looked like for him to get down. I don't know why that was... Have your own imagination of what that looks like. Zacchaeus, Louis, little man, getting down the tree. I don't know what that looks like. But anyhow, I get sidetracked sometimes. The wee little man, he gets down. And Jesus is like, you know what, Zacchaeus? I want to go to your house for dinner tonight. Now, remember, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a predator of all predators. Man, he, he, he had his own people, the Jews. He was Jewish. He had his own people. He was working for the man. He was working for the Roman Empire. Not only was he taxing the people for what Rome needed, he was also padding his, his wallet by taxing them extra for his own wallet. So he was wealthy. He was a high roller. Man, but he was doing it at the expense of his own people. And so Jesus is like, man, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house tonight. And all the religious leaders are like, hey, he's going to a tax collector's house. What's he doing? He would, would he go to this house. What do you do? That's not what we expected a person would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jesus goes and eats, and, and after this encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus stands up and says, listen, I'm going to right all my wrongs. Anyone who I've extort, extorted and abused, I'm going to pay back fourfold. And Jesus is like, wow, Zacchaeus, listen, salvation has come to your house today. And what is it a picture of? It's a picture of Isaiah chapter 11, where the predator and the prey lie together. Zacchaeus, who was the predator, is now what? He's now one with those that were his prey. It's the Prince of Peace fulfilling, in part, the prophecy of Isaiah 11. 
The Prince of Peace has come and he's saying, Derek, will you follow me? Will you release peace? Will you walk in my peace, Derek? Will you be at peace with me? Will you have peace here that goes beyond our understanding? And then Derek, as you go to work, as you go in your neighborhood, as you go to your family dysfunction, I mean functions, um, <laughs> will you offer my peace? This is the invitation of Jesus. How does the whole earth filled with his knowledge, how does the whole earth begin to walk in peace? It's when his people walk in his peace and release it to those that they come in contact with. And so I just want to pray. I want to ask us just a couple questions as we close up today as we talk about peace. First, I just want to ask you the question, man, where we're talking about brokenness and where you have a lack of peace. If today you're like, man, Derek, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say I have a peace with God. I wouldn't say that, man, I have, man, I have a relationship with God. And today, I'm, I'm just telling you, the invitation of God is clear. Jesus once and for all died. And he said, I love you, and I've made a way to the Father. And so today, man, after I wrap up here, we're going to have our ministry team up here. If you're like, man, I, I want to have peace with God, we would love to and walk you through and and reveal to you the God that has loved you since before you were ever born. We've got to start there. If we don't have peace with God, man, we can't move past that. And so today, if you're struggling with that, listen, don't leave here with just this, okay, I guess this is how it is. No, 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 Jesus died for all of it. He wants to offer you peace with God that goes so far. It's abundant life. Secondly, though, I know some of us in the room that, that like you're, you're struggling today with, with your own confidence in who God made you to be. And you're hearing voices from the enemy. Maybe you're hearing voices in the marketplace or maybe even your own speaking is speaking death over yourself, that you're a failure, that you're not good enough, that you'll always be marked by your past. And, and I just feel like the Lord today is just like, stop listening to the liar. Ask me what is true. And imagine if, if Eve would have done that in that moment where, where Satan was speaking to her and saying, Eve, if you eat this, you'll, be, you'll finally be good enough. You'll be like God. And what if she would have said, God, what do you want me to say? And what God would have said is, I've already made you in my image. You're enough. You're enough. Don't try to do something I've not invited you into. And so today, maybe you just need to ask the Lord, God, what is true? What is true about who you made me to be? What, what do you say about me? And you need to receive that from the Lord not from a pastor, not from a friend, but from the Lord. He wants to speak over you. So maybe just for a moment, you just sit here and say, Lord, what do you say about me? Here's what I think. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm hearing. But Lord, what do you say is true? And then that last one, the model of Jesus, he came to, to invite us into offering peace to the world as we go. Like what situation in your life, what, what relationship, what... What conflict is in your life where, where you need the Lord to show you what it looks like to offer peace? And I know all of us have those situations, so let's just take a moment and just say, Holy Spirit, man, I want to know your perspective. Jesus, I want to follow your way, and your way is not just to go guns a-blazing and to like take by force, but you actually laid down your life and offered us peace. The scriptures say time and time again, daily, lay down your life and you'll find it. Lay down your life and find it. And so where is the Lord inviting you 
to sacrificially love somebody? Where is he inviting you to keep your mouth shut? Where is he inviting you to speak up? Where is he inviting you? How is he inviting you to offer peace to the world? I'll just give you a moment just to process with the Lord as you just sit there with those thoughts and we're gonna have our ministry team up here. If you would like prayer for any of these areas, whether it's in your relationship with the Lord, whether it's how you're viewing yourself, you're struggling with that concept of you're made in God's image, or if you're like, man, I got this conflict, I would love somebody to pray for me, I would invite you before you head out here today to uh, join us up front. We would love to pray with you. We've seen incredible things happen when people gather together in prayer. So if that's not for you, though, man, we got Christmas Eve coming up. Remind you to RSVP. Next weekend, we'll be gathered. We'll have a candlelight service. It's going to be beautiful Sunday morning. Um, we love you guys. We believe in you. Go in peace, and let's offer his peace everywhere we go, even in our family gatherings. Love you guys. Have a great week.